This is Think Smart with TMFG, your weekly podcast of what's newsworthy and relevant to everyday Canadians. With your hosts, Senior Financial Advisors, Rob McClelland and Mike Conan of the McClelland Financial Group of Asante Capital Management. Today on Think Smart with TMFG, Mike and I will be discussing rising interest rates. Mike, the hits just keep on coming. The Canadian government just raised interest rates another 50 basis points. The U.S. government followed suit a couple of weeks later, raising interest rates 50 basis points. And on top of that, they're predicting that they may raise rates another 75 basis points next year. So it doesn't appear to be stopping anytime soon. They always put it in the news as bad news, but I guess the question is, is it bad news for everyone? Well, I was thinking about this. I was thinking, you know, we've been watching the World Cup lately and you've got, you know, fans on either side. Some are cheering for, for, the, for their team, some are che- cheering for the other team. And rising interest rates is a bit like that. And so let me, let me explain what I mean by that. So if you are under the age of 50 and you still have some debt, maybe you have a mortgage, maybe you have lines of credit, you mean you might have done some home renovations. You are on the side of th- that's bad news, rising interest rates, definitely, because the cost of borrowing is going up. And we've touched on this in a previous podcast. You made a great analogy, five-year mortgages, 20% of those mortgages come due every year. So now there's things going on over two years. That means 40% of mortgages will have come due. That 40% of the population who are under 50 with debt it's eye-opening how high interest rates are for them. Yeah, it seems to be your age, the, the younger you are, the more the high interest rates is going to have a negative effect on you. I read this interesting article talking about how, you know, right now if you wanted to, to lock into a mortgage, it said about the cheapest you would find is around five and a quarter percent. If you're at one of the big banks, you're probably closer to five and a half or 5.75. And then you have to pass the test. And the test is you have to be able to handle interest rates if they went 2% higher or 2% lower. Now, obviously, most people can handle the 2% lower. But what about the 2% higher? That's now 7.25% to 7.75% on the cost of your mortgage. I know uh, a few years ago back, they added new stress tests to mortgages. But I don't think they stress them as much as they're being stressed right now, even though stress tests, they seemed extreme. You know, let's let's go and say interest rates go up by 2%. Could you still afford it? But I don't think they ever put 4 or 5% increases into that calculation. Well, let's understand. We were at 1.5% there, maybe 2%. So they may have done the stress test 2% above that to 4. That That's not that that's not the same as 7. 7 almost 8%, that's a much different mortgage than 4%. The other thing we've never even put into this, this is assume that unemployment stays very low and everything keeps on moving along wonderfully in the economy, right? We're, we're talking stress just in a fully employed economy that's having rise in wages and everything else like that. Can you think of the struggle that would happen if we actually did hit a recession and we find unemployment is starting to strike? and there's wage pressure on. That's interesting. I've been talking to a few business owner clients recently, and they've said the difficulty is, you know, business has slowed down. They're all feeling it. And they're afraid 
to cut labor because they can't find anyone to work. And so they're, they're really struggling. They're almost keeping people on the payroll, not working to capacity because they're afraid they can't replace them. Now, now at a certain point, if, they, if rates keep going higher and things pull back even more, they're going to have to make some decisions. That's when the unemployment rate will start to go up. But it's not happening right now. No, I mean, human resources used to be a small part of business when we thought, you know, 20 years ago, human resource was just the department on the side to take care of uh, some hiring and firing situations. Human resources now become the most talked about part in any type of conversation with have any businessman. What's their biggest issue? Finding good people. So we've talked about those that are cheering against rising interest rates. How about the population that is cheering for rising interest rates and are actually very happy? Well, I'll give you uh, some details on a client I once had. I had a client, he passed away about five years ago and he lived to be about 95. But he used to always bring into my office this one annuity annuity he bought. And he bought it about 30, 30 some odd years before. He bought it in the 1980s. And it was an 18% annuity for life. And every year it was with insurance companies come in and they say, can you match this investment? And I'd always say, not a chance. You, you got really lucky. You had 18% interest rate locked in for life. And it paid him all through his life. It was the best investment that he could have ever made. And, you know, that's the glorious story of the 80s. But again, as we talked about before, if you talked to a lot of people about the 1980s, it was a horrific experience for those of those people who were trying to carry debt. Like, what, what was your first mortgage at? Eight and a half percent. And that would be low. When that was you, pretty low. That was low. You were, your parents were probably telling you that's such a deal because <laughs> they had to pay 16 and 18%. Yeah. So you had the people who have the money and if they're taking, let's say, more of a conservative approach to investing and using any type of fixed type investments, annuities, GICs, or bonds, their yields have gone up tremendously from where they were a year ago. read a report from Royal Bank yesterday that said, in the first six months of this year, $25 billion has gone into GICs with Royal Bank. Now, GICs had become like a non-investment for the last 10 years because the returns were so low, they were barely, keep, they were barely giving you any income. One and a half to 2% was all you're getting. But once that number got above 4%, the buyers rush to the market. Now, they may think they're doing a, a good job by getting that 4.5% or 4%. Obviously, they do. That's why $25 billion went there. But where do you think that money came out of? It came out of the markets. It came out of bond funds. It came out of balance funds. It came out of equity funds. And we're going to discuss whether they should be cheering for rising interest rates or not in a second. But so you've got this group They've paid down all their debt. They've got some fixed investments. Maybe they've got cash in the bank. And those GIC rates become extremely attractive. Yeah. You know what's funny? I was going through a client's statement the other day, and at the at the end of our client statements, it gives long-term returns of it tells treasury bills, it gives CPI, and it gives five-year GICs. And I looked at the 10-year, five-year, the 10-year return on five-year GICs. It was under 2%. The inflation rate was somewhere around in the last 10 years, it's it's getting around two and a half, somewhere around there. I think I'm using rough numbers, but in a 10 year period, 
even though we we see uh, GIC is a great right now, over the last 10 years, they've been well below inflation. You've lost your buying power. And that's very unusual. So let me talk about some of the good things about rising interest rates. And there are some good things. If we go back a little over a year ago, and I mentioned this in a previous podcast, the yield on our global fixed income portfolio that we use for our clients was about 1.5% for five years. That yield is now 5.9% for the next four years. So it's gone up dramatically. So that's, that's a really good thing. The other thing that's changed is we've had to go in and change our model in terms of expected return from fixed income and from cash. Cash, we basically had given you a half percent. That's all you were earning on cash. Today, we think you can at least get a minimum of 3% on your cash balances. Fixed investments, we were down to one and a half to two percent. We've increased those now to four and a half percent. What that does is that improves the success of your Monte Carlo. Well, before, remember there was a tremendous weight on equities to carry your portfolio performance, right? The equities had to do the majority of the work. We got to the point, I remember you talked to one advisor because we were trying to justify even owning bonds in the portfolio. And their comment was the bonds are there to allow you to own the equities. It wasn't there for producing any performance or anything. It was to allow you to have the risk tolerance to hold equities in your portfolio. And equities would do all the work. That was their job was to make the portfolio grow and the bonds were there to protect you. So we're in a different situation now. The bonds are not only there for protection, the bonds can actually give some yield. So before to get a reasonable rate of return on your portfolio, you needed a double digit equity return, right? There was no other way to get it. You have one and a half percent on bonds, you need 12% equities to even- On a 60-40 portfolio, yeah. absolutely. If you want a five or 6% rate of return, it's just math, right? If you get into it now, if you start to push a 5.9% uh, on the bonds, you know, the equities don't have to do much work at all to get you to a 6% rate of return. What's that take? If you're in a 50-50 portfolio, 6.1%. I mean, it's it's pretty easy, right? Uh, not that that's, uh, that's easy on the marketplace, but we're looking at the marketplace and everyone's worried about how it's going to produce going in the, in the future. The reality, if we can get 5.9% return on the bonds or that type of yield or anything in that range, the equities don't have to do that much work. So we've talked about some of the good sides. You're going to have a better Monte Carlo. For those who don't know, Monte Carlo is looking at the success rate of your financial plan. We do a thousand projections, assuming high, low rates of return going forward over the life of the plan. And a Monte Carlo success rate above 75% means your plan is pretty good. You're in good shape. Below 75% means there, there could be some issues. You may have to sell a lifestyle asset at some point in your 70s or 80s. There are some bad things that those who are cheering for rising interest rates need to think about. What are some of those, Mike? Well, one thing that you see is every time, uh, two things. Number one, equity markets don't love the idea of interest rates going up. When you look at every time we see the interest rates expected to go up, you can see the equity markets take a bit of a downturn. And it's pretty easy. If you, uh, We always talk about this. Uh, the price of an equity is based on the ex expected future cash flows of that company. Many companies have a lot of debt inside them, and the expected cost of carrying that debt is going to go up. Therefore, the expenses of that company are going to be higher in the future, and which means that profits from that company will be, or cash flows will be lower going forward. So that's the one piece. That's equities. Real estate, 
again, if you look at higher interest rates in real estate going forward, you're going to see the housing market go through a, a bit of a stress period. And maybe it's about time because the real estate market has become very unaffordable for most. So maybe a pullback in real estate isn't a terrible thing, but it's something that we haven't seen in almost 30 years in Canada. So those are two things that may be really affected by interest rates going up. So you're cheering for rising interest rates and yet the value of your house may go down and the, the value of your stock portfolio or balance portfolio may drop as well. Yeah. Here's another thing to consider. And this is why, you know, I, and I make the comment, you shouldn't be taking your financial advice from a bank teller. You're just looking at the return. You're not looking at two other critical factors related to that return. Number one, so let's say you lock in into a five-year GIC at 4.5%. That sounds really good. I've locked in part of my money for five years. Well, number one, you've locked it in. You can't get it. It's frozen. Number two, inflation right now is 6.9%. So you've just guaranteed yourself 6.9 minus 4.5 that you're losing 2.4% of your money you've guaranteed that you're losing money. Number two, we haven't even factored taxes. Most of those GICs are being bought in a non-registered account. And those non-registered accounts, you have to pay tax. So let's say you're paying 30, 40, or 50% tax rate on that. Now that negative 2.4% gets dramatically worse because you got to pay tax on the 4.5%. If you're paying 50% tax on the 4.5%, you're only left with 2.25%. 2.25% 6.9%. Now you're guaranteed to lose 5%. Let's flip over to where you took the money from. Well, everyone goes, well, the stock market's down. It's struggling. Why, why do I want to be there? Well, here's the evidence. Stock market goes up three quarter of the time. 75% of the time the market is positive. 25% of the time the market is negative. Here's the other thing. 50% of the time the stock market goes up 10% or more in a given year. 50% of the time. So yes, there's some chance, there is a chance you lose money, but you're guaranteed to lose money on the GIC after taxes and inflation. If you can get that 50% chance of getting 10% more on the equity markets after taxes, after inflation, you're much further ahead. You know what I find? When you look at any type of, I always find economics very fascinating. And the reason why there's so many different factors involved in everything, it's really difficult to make short-term decisions. And back in school, I used to study uh, chaos theory. It was all about chaos. And I always found chaos was very interesting. And a big thing they always talk about, and people always heard this when you watch Jurassic Park, was something called the butterfly effect. And the idea of the butterfly effect was it was very difficult to predict weather far in advance. You can predict weather for two weeks, maybe a bit longer than that, but it's very difficult to predict weather in Toronto a month from now. And the reason by, why is there's so many different influences on the weather. By the time the weather gets to here, a butterfly flapping its wings in San Francisco can have an effect on the weather. Small effect, but an effect. And you don't know how many butterflies are flapping the wings and how many dragonflies, how many birds, and what they're doing. By the time the weather gets to here, it's very difficult to make a long-term prediction on exactly what the weather is. 
So that's chaos theory butterfly effect, which is similar to the markets. But the reality is, can you make long-term predictions in the weather? Like we're in December now, would you wear a t-shirt outside? Probably not. Right, so well, global warming's going on. We might wear a t-shirt yeah, outside. Maybe eventually. <laughs> the snow was pretty heavy today when we were shoveling it. Yeah. I saw some people out with just a shirt on. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was in a shirt by the time I finished. Uh, but but that's the way the markets work. The long-term things really do make sense. People tend to focus a little bit too much on what's going to happen in the next two to three weeks, and really, no one knows. They don't. They don't. So who's right? Um, Number one, expect interest rates to probably continue to go up for a little bit. That's where we are today. That could change tomorrow. Expect the markets to be a little volatile until the dust settles. Expect real estate prices to drop for a bit. Expect the unemployment situation will start to get a little worse. And it's likely that we might get into a recession of some sort. But what do we also know? Interest rates at some point are going to stop going up. Housing prices will stabilize and start going up again. And the stock market will resume on its next bull run. That brings us to the end of another week. Thank you for joining us. If you're looking for a financial advisor, visit our website at tmfg.ca or call us at 905-771-5200. This episode has been brought to you by the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management, reminding you to live the life that makes you happy. You've been listening to the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management Limited. Asante Capital Management Limited is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. Insurance products and services are provided through Asante Estate and Insurance Services Incorporated. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources. However, no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the previous information, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances. The opinions expressed are those of the authors and not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management Limited.